0: Hi everybody, I'm Sebastian Terry and this is another 100 Things Fireside, the surf edition. We're going to be talking all things surfing with very close friend and high performance surf coach, Cale Brock. If you're a beginner, intermediate or advanced, or just generally interested in the concept of surfing, this is for you. how are you buddy?
1: Mate I'm good thanks for waking me up early.
0: I, I appreciate <laughs> it I pre- and you probably haven't gone surfing this morning too because of me.
1: No and um, by the time we finish it'll be high tide so yeah. Okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> to begin though my first question to you is because we all have a moment when we fall in love with something and we think oh that sounds fun I'm going to give it a try when was it that surfing first uh, appealed to you? Uh, <clears throat> I was 10 years
1: old and my bro, we were um, surf lifesavers. So we had done nippers from the age of maybe five or six. And at 10, some of the clubbies who we um, went down the coast with uh, surfed and they gave me a Malibu to use for a while and uh, threw me out in some beginner waves. And I just remember, I still remember, I've just got the image in my mind of, of just sort of gliding and, and then and, and sort of getting that feeling. And I remember saying to my mum, at the time I was really uh, into AFL at that time, you know, that was my sport and that was going to be my career and blah, 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 blah. I was 10, right? And um, I came in and said to mum, I was like, look, I think there's actually something about this surfing. She was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> but anyway, it turned out 18 years later,
0: still doing it. So good. Surfing is such a popular bucket list, quote unquote, item. It's almost to get going. What do they do? What actually is the first step? Yeah, it's interesting
1: because it's not often. Um, it's not the first question. It's like, how do I get started surfing? Well, obviously how ocean aware are you it's probably the first question because if you're coming from a from a space of absolutely no ocean experience whatsoever then chances are you probably would benefit from going with an instructor or going with a, you know a beginner class or um or at least going with a friend who knows what they're doing whereas someone who's like a surf lifesaver for instance of 10 years coming into surfing for the first time can probably do the old go and grab a big board get in their wetsuit and paddle out and give it a go so it really depends on the person um But I think that initial stage there, it depends on the person, but there can be that really steep learning curve um, where that progression almost in the first session happens really quickly. Uh, But then what a lot of people get frustrated with over time is that, um, you know, plateau that that we sort of experience as surfers. and, And that's something that I have to sort of communicate, I think, to people because, there is an expectation that that progression will just keep occurring and some a lot of people just surf once a week you know and if you're an intermediate surfer and you're an adult especially surfing once a week isn't probably only going to keep you at that same level Um, it's really where it's only when you start to saturate and start to really commit to it and go, you know, three, four, five, even more times per week that you can expect some consistent progression. But I think back at the starting point, um, it is just working out, how are you going to do this and be safe at the same time? Because it's in the ocean, it's unpredictable. um, It's water. We're not naturally, I suppose, designed for water. So those questions need to be asked and and, um, I guess considered before jumping in.
0: So you're comfortable in the water. There's ocean awareness. I'm like you fortunate enough to have grown up on the beaches. So that sort of comes part and parcel of being born on the beaches or living on the beaches Um, for people who don't live on the beaches, do you And you can't get down there every day, like you're saying, should people get an instructor? Is that a thing? Should people use your skills? So not only do you love surfing and you're a sponsored surf and all the things, but you do a lot of coaching online uh, as well as in person. How does that look for someone interested in uh, beginning, but also I suppose just getting better, really? I think beginning, it's all about time in the water.
1: So um, you obviously want a little bit of direction, um, but I think... In a certain sense, surfing is quite obvious. You paddle for a wave, you stand up on a board, you know, at least if you know that, then you're probably going to be moving in at least the right direction to start with. Um, But again, how are you going to get your time in the water safely? Uh, Is it with someone who knows what they're doing? For instance, is it, you know, going surfing with a surfer like yourself um, on a date or something like that? Or is it, um, you know,
0: (laughs) um... yeah. Or is
1: it, um, going with, with someone who's more of an, I guess, um, advanced coach dealing with, you know, your intermediates looking to progress. Like I tell beginners, I get a lot of requests from beginners like, Hey, I'm just starting. Can you help me? And it's kind of like, well, look, this isn't going to be the most effective use of your time, uh, or, or your money and my time, because y- you know, you've got to just put in the work. There's no shortcutting it. You've got to get out there. You've got to become ocean aware, And even though surfing is portrayed as this sport where it's like all the exciting stuff happens when you're on the wave, people need to know that that's only 5% of the overall experience, probably less. What Mm -hmm. is most of the experience is the paddling, the negotiation, the sitting and waiting. It's the, it's the ocean negotiation which makes up the bulk of the surfing experience. So you need to know how to, um, I guess, undertake that. And that only comes with, you can talk about it intellectually all day and you can try and explain it, which I have in, in numerous videos, but I think you cannot shortcut just, paying your dues and spending time in the ocean. So, um, you know, we, we talk about big boards. Then we start to talk about, well, what is surfing? If you've been on a boat, you know, in a way that's kind of surfing. What we're doing is restricting that craft, restricting that buoyancy under us. Um, to a point that we still feel stable, but can also control it and catch the waves. So the bigger the board we go, the more buoyancy we can expect, which means oh. we're going to float above the water. We're going to catch waves easier. Um, but the shorter we go, the the more we pull it in to an extent, the more control we're going to have over that craft. So using yeah. those big boards at the start is, is really a good idea. I, re- I definitely recommend um, using the foam boards because they're just so much safer. Um, you know. You can nosedive and they can hit you on the head and it'll suck, but it's not going to hurt you badly. Um, we, we've all sort of had that before. I've got stitches and scars all over the body from, from a polyurethane board. So in the beginning, you definitely want a foamy. Like my girlfriend, Emma, um, she's been on a foamy for a few years because she's sort of at that advanced beginner level and she's looking to go for a fiberglass board. But my questions to her have been, you know, why? What's your goal here? Because the foamy right now is the perfect balance of stability speed and and control so it's always a bit of a um a balance w- with with board selection and then again um just finding someone to actually guide you through the process is, is probably going to shortcut um or or uh re- reduce that learning curve to a certain extent and, and reduce yeah. the time it takes
0: so you talk about, you know, why would Emma, your girlfriend, want to go to a smaller shortboard let's say, when she's probably just having fun down at Avalon Beach, beautiful Avalon Beach on the northern beaches of Sydney. Um, so with that in mind, do people need to come into the sport uh, with a particular goal? Like, for example, you know, you see Kelly Slater, you know, riding a barrel. Is that, do people need to go, right, I want that? Or is it a surf trip with your mates? Do you have to know why it is you're learning surfing or you're just jumping in the water? Do you need specific goals?
1: I mean, goals help in any situation, right? Because it gives you a direction in which to um, go. But I think in surfing, a lot of it just develops naturally over time. We're just chasing that feeling. It's the very kind of aesthetic ambition, I think, surfing, because we, we we get that feeling and we go, oh, my God, I want that again. Um, so a lot of it's just that um, internal inherent flow state, I think, um, that that's involved with surfing. So... If we wanted to become a little bit more intellectual about it, a little bit more pragmatic, I guess um, we would say, okay, hey, what are your goals? If you are starting surfing as an adult, then you can forget about most likely. I'd love to swallow my words here, but you can probably forget about surfing um, like Kelly Slater and, and getting you know big stand up barrels at, at, at a at pipe or whatever. Well, um, you can probably though be quite realistic in in um, shooting for. Uh, an intermediate level of surfing, you know, cutting across the face, trying maneuvers, and all that sort of stuff. That's probably going to be quite within reach, especially with some good technique understanding and um, some consistent time in the water. So it really um, depends on what you're trying to get out of it. I think this is different for a lot of people, and it's actually probably been um, a little bit divisive in the industry itself, certainly amongst uh, people who watch my videos, whether like surfing should be so. Um, intellectualized and broken down into you know uh, technique and physiology and and do we look at it like that or some people think no it should just be an expressive sort of art form if you will but with any sport and with any extreme sport especially the goals are going to be different for everyone but I think at the fundamental level it's everyone's just trying to chase that feeling that that flow state feeling that excitement Um, and, and I guess without sounding too esoteric, that oneness with, with nature and everybody else that we
0: can, you know, hack from various other ways, but some of us are lucky to get every day from surfing. I've got one more question. So before we get stuck into all these others and, uh, you mentioned again, Emma learning to surf, she's on a foamy. You then also mentioned yourself getting into surfing when you were younger Is it too late to learn surfing again for people who are watching who love the idea or they might've tried it once, but haven't in 10 or 20 years. Can anyone learn to surf? Does it matter if you learn when you're older?
1: No. I mean, obviously as you get older, um, your inherent fitness levels and mobility will, will change uh, depending on, on what you're doing every single day with your movement. So that's obviously going to have an impact on your surfing. But I think that pretty much anyone can learn, you know, if you are able bodied, you can surf. So it just takes a little bit of time, you know, and and being patient and and being willing to go through that process is one of, I think, the keys to actually progressing. I've got um, some clients that have been um, teaching lately and the ones who progress the fastest are the ones who are obsessed with surfing and and patient and and just willing to put in the work um to progress so I, do, I don't think there is a limit um in terms of who can surf in terms of how old you you are um i, I truly think that anyone can surf it's just about um approaching it in the w- right way with the right equipment with the right people and having i guess uh, realistic expectations from it
0: Okay, great. I love it. I love it. So I'm going to start asking you, rattling off some questions from people who have written in. I've got a question here from Joe Hass and Joe Hass asks, best advice for learning to pop up on a short board?
1: I think popping up in general is it's a bad name that we've given it a pop up because it's actually ideally more of a slide up. Um, And I think we're obsessed with turning the takeoff into a burpee. And a lot of the time that means the person is rushed and it throws them off balance Whereas if you look at any sort of pro surfer, their takeoff is very minimalistic. It's very, it's a lot slower and it's a lot lower than people expect. So they're not popping up into a vertical position. They're actually sliding up into a, a low ready position because by the time the, a good surfer has popped up or has taken off or slid up, yeah. um, they're going straight into a turn. You know, they've picked their line and they're ready by the time they're, you know, by the, by the time they're four strokes into their positioning, you know, so I think, um, yeah, having having the mindset that it's going to be a pop up is is the first potential error. We need to actually calm things down. Um, that's one of my most Common uh, advice points is like, hey, why are you rushing? Slow down. And even to the point of spending a quarter of a second in that prone position. Mm. So, like um, holding the surfboard out with straight arms in front of you whilst you've already caught the wave, just sort of gliding for a moment can be a good cue to actually pull people back into a nice flowing rhythm as opposed to trying to control the wave. Um, because we really have to fit in our surfing with the wave. Because um, often, unless you're in a wave pool, uh, it's always different, isn't it? The, 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 um, the shape, the, the pace, everything changes. There's no wave is the same. So, yeah.
0: You see people on the beach on the sand jumping up or like, you know, images of people on ironing boards at home. Um, I'm sure I saw that once. Uh, is there benefit to that just with relation to this question of popping up or sliding forward or however you would say it, or is it only something you can learn in the water?
1: Um, I think there's benefit. Uh, the main prescription I give people, if they've got mobility issues or they're sort of struggling with their pop-up and they want to practice it at home is to actually practice yogic movements. So especially that movement from downward dog to a low lunge, um, that tends to really help people because what you're doing is you're helping them create space in that sort of um, that sort of plane like from the hips up because the more space we have under the body here, the easier it is for the legs to just slide through, you know, into that um, pop-up position. So that's generally the only thing that I would prescribe never burpees, never push-ups. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that stuff just doesn't trans transfer.
0: I'm well, sure, I've heard you refer to that space that you create between your body and the board as like a, a negative, uh, negative... Negative space. Negative space, yeah. So it's about creating that space interesting
1: yeah and that's you know you're pushing the board away from you to allow that negative space to um, form it's it's not like the board stays at this level and you have to go from flat to up in a second you what you're actually doing is you're um coming up into a prone and you put allowing that board to drop down the wave as you catch it and then just feeling that space as it sort of um as it
0: drops away sure Okay. Okay. So Jalen Slade asks a question, which opens the door to the conversation of board selection. Um, he says, should I go back to high volume boards again, or just tough it out with my original boards because he hasn't been surfing for a couple of months. Uh, I feel like I've hit the reset button. Um, so what I might add to that is, uh, I, you helped me with a board recently that I got. Uh, thank you again. And it's, I, I always find it interesting, like, you know, when you're trying to get better at surfing, blah, 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 there's like almost an ego play where you go, oh, I want to get a shorter board. The shorter the board, the better. It's not always the case, right? Um, so I guess to answer Jalen particularly, and then uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on just board selection because so I know you get asked that a lot
1: it's a very uh, common sticking point um, for a lot of people. But in terms of that person's situation, I think going back to a board with higher volume is, is not a bad thing, but when you do increase the volume, it's very hard to go backwards um, and drop down volume. So, I mean, a lot of my boards are, are sitting around that 27.2 liter mark. And that generally works for me. Even my, um, I guess, big wave board or step up board that, that we might call it um, has around 28 liters. So it's not a huge difference. So if someone's not been surfing for a few months, it can be a good idea uh, to just glide for a while. I mean, I've got the foamy and when it's, when it's half a foot big, I'll paddle out on the foamy and that's 40 liters or whatever. That's a different story. Yeah. Um, but just getting into that zone and, and getting your ocean awareness back up. That's the biggest thing about having breaks in in your surfing is working out like, Hey, where are waves going to be how do they break like that's not often a timeless skill um especially if you didn't grow up with it sure so i think that's that's um quite important to sort of step back into uh gradually and you can do that without a board you can go a lot of um, my surfers i'll be like look hey you're struggling to catch waves what i want you to do is actually go swimming every day this week and go body surfing for a while because when you body surf and you've got no board under you you have to be in the right spot, you know, and you're at that eye line level. So the water's here and your head's just here, as opposed to actually sitting up a little bit. Um, it just makes such a significant difference in terms of the the input, the informational input um, that you can expect that stimuli that you then have to read uh, and adjust your position accordingly. I think that's the biggest thing, but no, it's not a harm to actually come back to surfing after an injury or time off. On a big board, it's just coming back to your regular board that can sometimes be a bit of a challenge, at least a two or three, even four or
0: five, six sessions. Sure. So boards, are, you shouldn't be getting a board based on what you think looks best, uh, of course, or, <laughs> you know, uh, how you think, how good you are. It should be based on kind of like your environment, what the what waves are doing. Are you going, you know, if you're going on a surf trip, which we can talk about a little bit later, you'd want to get maybe a couple. I mean, how many, how many boards have you got in your quiver?
1: Um, in my garage, I probably have five or six boards. Um, I've got the, the big foamy. I've got uh, a couple of different styles of, of short board. I've got the step up um, and I've got a 20 as well. Uh, it, it really depends. Like I don't need five boards. I would say that I ride the one board 90% of the time just to yeah. to put that out there. And I would rather have an appropriate board for 90% of my surfs than an appropriate board for only 10% of my surfs. It's, it's a big, um, issue. So I think, um, you know, in terms of how many boards you need, I, I truly think you can get away with one good one. Uh, but you know, I'm sort of in a different position where this has become my vocation. So having those different boards is beneficial, not just on a personal level, but also on a, um, on a, on a professional level too. So I think, um, you know, having, if you were going to stretch it to two boards, then having a, a board for small waves and having a board for proper solid waves is more than enough for, for the average person. And it's not just about looks and aesthetics, even though that's important, it has to be about function and your weight comes into it, your ability level comes into it, um, your expectations comes, comes into it, your goals, and, and then to an extent, your height as well.
0: Sure. Okay. I love it. Okay. I've got a couple of questions here kind of like in the beginner's sort of realm. Uh, One question from Abraham Chu, and I'm just referencing the names from Instagram. So I'm not sure if these are people's actual names, but um, his question is best tips to surf unbroken waves as a beginner. And and I guess that's the step up from riding, trying to catch broken waves, the white water as a very, very early beginner to then Mm. paddling out the back. Is that right? And then catching waves that haven't broken yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's all in positioning, and it's it's not a again. The, uh, it's all in positioning and paddling as well, because we, if we have to catch a wave before it's broken, generally it's going to move a little bit faster than a whitewater wave, which means our paddling has to match that intensity and thus be be, be quicker. Um, and a lot of people don't develop that paddling skill set. Uh, because they don't build up the musculature over time, it, particularly if they start surfing later on in life, that middle back musculature that's involved in pulling your shoulders back and, and really um, paddling well, it's not so much the arms, it's a little bit of the lats, but it's very much the lower back, middle back. Um, that musculature is just not there for a lot of people. So it has to be developed and and maintained. Mm. Um, And that's one of the biggest influences of whether you can catch a wave before it's broken or not is how fast or how effective you can paddle. Um, And then of course, position as well, because what you're trying to do, you're trying to uh, be quick enough so that you can, um, Escape the white water now instead of um, stand amongst it. And it's actually a lot easier to stand on an unbroken face than it is in white water because there's less turbulence, right? It's more smooth. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good goal. It's a realistic goal for literally every single person. So, yeah, uh, I think positioning, paddling, most important
0: things, and learning wave shapes and learning how to read what the ocean's going to do. Again, just, ju- just jumping in and just getting as much experience, you just sort of naturally, it's the same as kind of learning French, which I know you were trying to do as well. The best thing to do is to go to France and just immerse yourself and you just naturally pick up so much more.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, that's why it's such an advantage to grow up with ocean experience uh, as a surfer you know and and you can't it's something that it's so hard to teach like hey look at this wave look what it does it's never going to happen again um so it's just learning general rules and guidelines and shades of texture a lot of it has to do with um looking at the color of the ocean that's why when it's really dark and gloomy and there's a low distinction between the horizon and the sky it's quite hard to position and 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 catch waves you know so um yeah uh, it just takes time and immersion
0: any advice on taking off backside? Um, she says a right will be coming at me and I avoid it. So, for, I mean, maybe you can explain what those terms mean to people who might not understand what a right is or what, a, what backside is. Um, and then, yeah, some, some tips on, uh, on that for Tracy. Mm.
1: So, I mean, right and left is pretty obvious, just the direction in which a wave is breaking. So that wave behind you is a left-hander, even yeah. though it's moving to the right of the screen. Um, if I was out in the water, that would be a left-hander. Are you shredding that wave with your finger? That's amazing.
0: I was. For those people who are listening on a, on a podcast, uh, I have a picture of a perfect uh, right, no, left behind Left,
1: me. it's the left, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so Seb's still got some work with his positioning. Uh, we've established that. <laughs> Um, so a left breaks to the right if you're looking at it from the beach and a right breaks to the left if you're looking at it from the beach and whether it's a backhand or, or forehand wave depends on your stance. So a lot of people, most people are natural, we would call with their left foot forward. Um, they would generally prefer rights or a right would be their their forehand. Um, some people are goofy. Like like you said, you, you surf with your right foot forward and yep. thus a left would be a forehand wave for you like Tracy and a right would be a backhand wave. So a right's coming at Tracy and she's not comfortable um, taking off and that probably is just a result of rotational inadequacy. So on your backhand, you, you really need to feel comfortable with more twist in the upper body because you have to look over your shoulder at the wave whereas if i'm surfing in my forehand the wave is right here it's ready to go in front of me um on my back end again it's, it's looking over that shoulder so a lack of rotation and mobility in the upper body can make someone feel uncomfortable and, and just a tiny little tip to allow a more full rotation to occur on the back end on the bottom turn is just to instead of holding the the leading arm which is my left which would be tracy's right mm-hmm. Um, all she has to do on that bottom turn is actually flip that palm and it'll just kind of aesthetically open up the shoulder girdle a little bit more and allow for a more full neck and eye rotation. And that will just open up a more full rotation that will then transfer into the lower body, um, into the hips, the knees, the feet, and then the board. And that will then um, engage a certain rail to then get her moving in that direction. It's all about comfort. It's all about practice. And, And anytime I'm feeling awkward, um, on, on my back end, it's, it's mostly because I've, I've forgotten or sort of let that technique lapse in that front arm. Um, and sometimes if, if anything's going wrong with my surfing, if I'm having a bit of a slump, which I, I do, uh, then I'll go back to a 20 for a while, or I'll go back to a foamy for a little bit and just go back to the fundamentals. Like, how can I just ride this wave for what it is instead of having too many expectations, having too many different ideas running through my mind. It's just about, you know, taking a more relaxed approach.
0: Oh, that's great. That's a, and I remember you actually taught me that, like opening up your 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 front hand on a back. What hand. do we call it when you and I? Call it? Waiters. <laughs> the waiter's bow or something. Yeah. But it, but it really worked. It really worked. I actually prefer going to so to Tracy. I actually prefer going on my backside now because I, I feel more comfortable just because of that one tip. Um okay, so you're talking about refining technique. If you're feeling like you're in a bit of a slump, which is very interesting to hear, by the way, from you, uh, an advanced surfer, having slump still and then just changing things up to get a different perspective or to tweak some some part of your surfing game. Uh I've got two questions. I'm gonna roll them into kind of one, but one is from Rodrigo to lawn co I'm sure that's wrong. Uh, he said, uh, I have different dominant fo- uh, different dominant feet for surf and skate. Uh, how do I practice on land? So I'm assuming it's what he
1: means.
0: Yeah. I'm assuming, does he mean that uh, like surfing his right foot might lead? It might be the front foot and, uh, uh and the opposite for skating.
1: Yeah. So he's probably natural surfing and goofy skating, um, or okay. vice versa. It is super, super interesting. I'm amazed at how many people have told me this really, um, yeah, which is, is bizarre, but I just say that you have to commit to one because otherwise it's not going to transfer over. There's, there's no way around it. You, you just can't beat around the bush.
0: Ah, okay. Simple as that. I love it. Mm. Um, well, I hope, hopefully that's helpful for him. Um, how does he choose? Does it, I mean, does he already yeah. know internally is it, or is it just he just will choose? He just has to, if he can't. I would say that it would be a lot
1: harder to um, switch the surfing one because skating is, is able to be repeated. It's got that repetitive element. Um, you can just line up the road. It doesn't move and you can just skate. Um, Whereas waves, you know, you've got to wait for the right wave, you've got to do all this. There's less opportunity to put the practice um, into play. So, what I would do is stay with the surfing stance the way it is and then start skating the same stance. If his goal is to use skating, as an intervention, a pro- progress intervention for his surfing. Um, otherwise, it, you know, you would just deal with it, and and that's you. There's certainly nothing wrong with it. But yeah, using skating to progress in surfing is such a big help, especially obviously the surf skates um, that you and I have used before and filmed with before. Um, so surfing in the same direction and having the same stance is going to be pretty important for for any crossover to occur. So he's probably just got to commit and get comfortable with it. If he's already surfing in that stance anyway and chances are he's got the the um the neuromusculature facilitation in place to do it Uh, he's probably just got to commit
0: okay i love it that's great um and so you mentioned skate skating before training on land Uh, i have a question here from hoffo and uh hoffo says "What's (laughs) uh, what's a good surf skate course to set up for a beginner Uh, to intermediate surfer, i.e. cones. Um, And I've seen plenty of your videos online, which I'm pretty sure have hundreds of thousands of views and you're using a particular board. Yeah, share with us, help Hoffo, what's a good kind of course. Um, yeah, so I think, uh, just playing around is is
1: the best place to start, but then just working on speed flow is probably the the best place to start. And speed flow is simply a compression to extension. And it's a bit of an undulation of the body with it, with a slight shrug of the arms, which essentially forms the basis of all surfing maneuvers and just, um, liberates us as surfers so much more than just riding straight. A lot of my surfers, even intermediate ones, even ones who are approaching advance don't realize that they surf in the lower half for the wave only. So, let's say the let's say the 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 entire screen up from my hand is a wave. This zone here is your power zone. So I'm talking about the top third of the wave for those who are just listening. Anything underneath is going to lack generally the same amount of power potential, speed potential, same thing, that um, the top of the wave has. So our goal should be to actually get up into that power zone for for a large portion of the ride um, because that's where all our speeds can come from. If you picture it, we're almost like a sail. We use our body like a sail and we move up to the top of the wave extended to harness all that energy and then as we go back down compressed, we're holding on to that energy almost like a coiled spring. And we can use that spring to to continue speed flowing, or we can use that spring to explode and release into a turn and maneuver. So coming back to what the question was. Just um, practicing speed flow technique. So that is compression to extension. Compression to extension is the most effective um, use of your time on the surf skates. And once you're ready to start trying maneuvers, that's when you can get specific. But I think forgetting about the cones, forgetting about all that, you can put cones out if you like and just sort of slalom between them. Um, but I think, you know, just using a line in the road to, to compress and extend, which you and I have done before, um, is probably the best use of your time.
0: I I also kind of got in my head that you need to be able to like slide the tail out and, you know, make a big noise. You don't need to do that. I'm assuming that's not important. It doesn't transfer because there's more, you know, on the
1: road, you're dealing with wheels on the road. There's no actual, um, I guess insertion of the wheels into the road which is what happens on a surfboard. You've got your control systems, your fins, right? They're, they're essentially controlled drag um, in the water. So they're dragging their points of drag, but they're also points of control. And that's why we have them. It's a lot harder to release fins or slide fins in the water than it is to slide a skateboard with that subtle weight, weight adjustment. So I see people and in these cool advertisements for certain brands doing slides all the way. And my first question is, I wonder if they can surf like that. And most often they can't um, because you just can't, not release a surfboard's fins that easily you actually have to be in the right place on the wave you have to have a lot of torque and a lot of speed or you have to hit the lip and release the fins vertically uh, in order to get any sort of rotation so yeah
0: okay okay well kind of on a similar uh, uh similar plane here m reed has asked this question um tips for keeping your balance whilst turning so i you know she's talking about surfing of course or he i'm not sure is talking about surfing in the water but I, I guess just to uh jump on the back of the last question is it similar when you're skating and when you're uh surfing the balance aspect or no because you know skating is just straight one flat plane surfing you're kind of going up and then being on an angle um i think i've complicated the question but do with no. that you will
1: no it's a it's a good question um speed is your friend when you're trying to balance in turns uh, because it's almost like riding a bicycle. If you're, what's it called? Gyroscopic stability or gyrocoptic stability or whatever it's called. If you're trying to ride a bike and you're going really slow um, you know, if you're trying to dinky me down to the beach at Venice to play paddle tennis and we're going really slow, then we're going to fall over. Right. But if we go fast, we're more likely to stay upright. So there's an element of that with surfing um, and, and with surfing as well, you actually won't want to become comfortable with coming off center. So when you're going up to do, especially in vertical maneuvers, if you're going up to do a vertical maneuver and the wave is here and the body's here, you're sort of going up to do the turn and the body at this point actually comes off like this. My hand is the body. So it's sort of hanging out in, in um, no man's land, so to speak, if you're just listening and then the board and the feet go and do all the work for you and hit the lip and then come back under the body so that there can be some sort of semblance of balance there so it's about getting comfortable with shifting your center point or your midpoint off center um with turns and and sort of gauging and working out and failing and trying again and working out where the boundaries are um, in terms of uh, how fast you can send that board out to do the work for you uh, without falling off, you know, or or how slow you need to do it in order to stay on. Like it's, it's definitely a mix of, of different um, uh, input stimuli. But I think uh, the first thing, all that is very cool to, to think about but more tangibly, I prefer people to think about their um, their eyes first. Where are your eyes looking? Uh, Where's your head looking and then your shoulders, because that will determine what happens with your lower body. And a lot of people like to, you know, message me like, Hey, what should my feet do? What are my feet doing? What about foot placement? What about weight distribution? I'm like, no, forget about it. Just use your eyes and your shoulders and the rest will behave. If there's a problem um, you'll, you'll naturally feel what you need to do Um, because you know, any turn, any, any sort of maneuver is always started with the eyes and then that moves into the head, the neck, and then the shoulders. And then that has a flow on effect to the rest of the body. It's almost like you're wringing a, um, a wet tea towel. Mm. You're wringing it out. That's what happens with the body. There's always this talking pressure back and forth to change direction on the surfboard. And it's your job, I guess, your goal um, mm. to get comfortable with that process and work out where your boundaries are. And oftentimes you need to um, push past that boundary
0: to even know where it is. Sure. I love how you're explaining this. Cause you, I mean, you think of surfing and it's, you know, very much like an art form, right? You, you mentioned that earlier, like it's beautiful and lines and you know, all those things. Um, I also like how you're speaking about it from a, you know, like a biomechanical point of view. And there's so, there is so much to consider, uh, opening up your shoulder girdle. I think you meant and a bunch of words I didn't understand too. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Just, no, no, which I, 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 I love it. Um, and I'm sure everyone else does understand them. Now, one question I it's just sort of I, dawned on me is, um, I know you're also posting a lot of stuff, exercise you're doing. You mentioned yoga before. Is there anything outside of surfing, um, we've we've spoken about skating from a strength conditioning point of view. That's, uh, that's really helpful. I mean, is yoga enough or is it, you know, are you trying to strengthen your core or are you running under the water with rocks like Laird Hamilton, um, without getting too much in the weeds of it all, um, for people who do just want to, you know, they're already able to surf. They're intermediate to advanced. What's just a few ideas on, on alternative types of training? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. And
1: it's going to be an age-old question, I can guarantee. But this is, this is coming from someone who trains. I trained with a, with a really good coach, um, and he doesn't surf. And I found that his training is the best for me. Um, and a lot of our work we do around um, extension to rotation, so that is going from a low point, like a squat, um, to a high point, but also with a thoracic or um, lower body rotation. So we're mimicking surfing. He said his, his words, uh, I think from Gary Gray, who's an old um, trainer or, or a physiologist, a very in-depth sort of guy, um, says it's got to smell like surfing. Your movement, your training has to at least smell like surfing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So So I think the skating is probably the best thing technically um uh but from a strength perspective having strong legs and a strong core and and strong balance principles balance fundamentals is is never going to be a bad thing um the main issue with any sort of training like i see a lot of crossfit athletes and stuff like that is they're always sore and when they're sore in the surf that their, their technique gets compromised and their paddling gets compromised and when their paddling's compromised their wave count gets compromised and when their wave count's compromised they can't get enough to improve and progress so those are the main concerns that i have with any sort of um external training for surfing um aerobic capacity can always you know be improved and i think that's always going to help yeah. um, paddling fitness you can definitely train um on land uh it's a very specific you can't just you know, grab some pulleys and, and do that or do some tricep dips or whatever. Um, actually do, working uh, the back extensors over a Swiss ball, I think is one that's, I've done a specific video on that. Um Is incredible for for paddling fitness. So I think that's probably the easiest thing to train. Um, But, you you know, maybe just moving through some dynamic squats and some dynamic lunges, not too heavy weights. You don't need to use heavy weights to become a a good surfer, um, is is something really simple to do. Uh, A lot of my lunge positions, it's not just a straight lunge because, you know, surfers, we don't move in straight lines. You know, I'll do a lunge pattern that's a forward lunge, uh, a, um, a diagonal lunge, a sideways lunge, and then back around and I'll do I'll like hit points of the clock with, with the lunge and then do the same in the other leg. Okay. So it's, you know, it's it's varying up the typical movements that we get told about. Um to, to make that crossover more accurately to, or more organically rather to, to surfing. So it's like doing a squat with a kettlebell, a light kettlebell, but then at the top of the squat, it might be going off to the side. And all of a sudden I look like I'm surfing, like maybe I'm doing an air or doing whatever. So it's just um, those sort of crossover techniques, but I think working with a good trainer is a good idea. Or if you have some good ideas in place, or you're just working with body weight um, you can certainly do it at home.
0: Oh, unreal. Unreal. I honestly just fascinated talking to you um, about this. I've, I've been surfing for 20 years and never thought of any of that. Um, uh, which brings us on to another question from, I believe this might be one of your followers, Taj w 747 Simple question. I think I know the answer. Ask Kale, who's a better surfer, you or Kale? Kale, you want to maybe tell everyone who you think is a better surfer between you and I? Is it Taj or, or Taj and me or,
1: or yeah. Seb and I?
0: No me no you and you, you and me specifically it seems i just, well, just I'm trying to give everyone a voice here, and that's what he wants to know. Uh, he obviously hasn't seen me surf next to you <laughs> um, Well, I think surfing
1: is subjective, there's no um real there's no real winner except unless you're surfing in um you know a competition and and then there's certain criteria, but hey, the best surf is the one having the most fun, in which case uh I would win.
0: Yeah, I think like you did actually. But that's true. You just gonna feel good. I mean, I remember like we went for a surf uh, it was last year down at, at Porto, I think. And I just remember being so frustrated and it had nothing to do with my ability. I just I just wasn't having fun and I you know, it was it's a weird thing. The only thing that actually matters is that you leave the water smiling. Um and it's yeah. worthwhile mentioning that.
1: A hundred percent. And and a lot of people need to get realistic about that and um I mean, there's, yeah, there's a can of worms there because I've had to deal with, especially throughout coronavirus and, and having so many people here in Australia, at least surfing because everyone was at home working. There was a lot of tension in the water. It took out the joy in yeah. um, the experience and there were, there were fights, there were physical fights, you know, of uh, none of which I was involved, obviously, um, because I'm you know, <laughs> built like a croissant. I'm too scared. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think that was a time when actually surfing for me just became like, it was it was annoying. I was actually, I was really frustrated during that um, lockdown time because there were just too many people surfing and I was going up, I was going to extreme lengths to go and surf on my own again. Um, but where I was going with that was a lot of us can get too impatient and, and you know, start to, I guess, break etiquette out in the water, which is a whole other discussion. And yeah. it just away from the fun of it and I think the the experiences that we get to have even in the wave pool like there are a lot of people against the wave pool but I mean that was one of the funnest days I've had in in surfing not because of the waves themselves but because I got to do it with you guys and you know I come out of a tube and I look back and you're you're we'll say entering a tube we're not sure if we're coming out just yet (laughs) but we're all like having an absolute blast and that for me is one of the best there's always those internal outcomes so i'll go surfing on my own like i did yesterday and yesterday i had a really good surf that for me that i was really happy with you know i was landing everything that i was going for the wind was good for airs i haven't done an air in a long time and i just felt really good and there's nothing that comes close to that you know it's really good but there's that other element um which is doing it with a great community and that sort of jumps into you know the longevity film and, and stuff and the other work that i've done the importance of surrounding yourself with great people who you feel comfortable with who you feel um loved by and loved back and, and all that sort of stuff and surfing is such a great medium um to to appreciate that principle with You know, it's like, I've had some of the funniest, most feel good moments looking back and seeing a friend topple over from the top of the wave all the way down the bottom and, and vice versa. You know, it's, it's just, it's unexplainable how fun that is. So yeah, that's the reason we do it. You know, it's yeah, that's why we do it.
0: I love it. Well, and you mentioned before, like, you know, a bit of aggro out in the surf sometimes Um, a question I hear a lot is, It's probably, again, it's probably a slippery slope when we start talking about this one. But a lot of people who are certainly beginners, who I, I think maybe a lot of uh, beginners are listening now, they have concern around crowds and, you know, trash talking and all that sort of stuff. You also mentioned etiquette. Um, is that kind of just be aware, is, is the answer to a question I haven't quite asked yet, um, <laughs> be, be aware of what etiquette is and just, you know, be smart? How do people avoid, you know, uh, aggro in the surf, basically? Yeah,
1: I think you've got to learn the rules um, and the, the reason there are rules is not to protect the advanced surfers because if, if it's a free-for-all, the advanced surfers are going to win every single day. If you want to paddle around and, and not wait your turn then and, and sort of just have a free-for-all, surfers are going to, good surfers are going to out-paddle you, out-position you and out-surf you every single time. So the reason those rules, if you will, etiquette is there is to help everybody get their chance at a wave. Um, so sort of learning what what those um etiquette principles are is a good step and you can you can just observe a lineup and you'll see it right um you'll see the hierarchy you know and it's i'm not opposed to it i'm not even opposed to conscious localism um i think that i think that a lot of these things are important and as beginners it can look like sometimes that better surfers or or more aggressive surfers are just being pigs or greedy or whatever, when a lot of the time they are just more adherent to the etiquette and, and more smart with their positioning. The other day, for instance, I was surfing and I had a uh, a sort of um, beginner slash intermediate surfer, Sort of break one of those rules, paddle up my inside after I was waiting for about ten minutes for a wave in at the peak, you know, and then set was coming, and the guy sort of paddled up my inside and tried to tried to go for a wave, um, that I was uh, that I was intending on going for. Now I dropped in on the guy, and and surfed the wave as if he wasn't there. Which if you just saw that part of it, you would go, oh, Kale's being a Kale's being a bit of a dick. Um, he's just you know dropped in on that guy. So what I had to do, and I, I really dislike doing this because as I'm sure, you know, it pulls away from the fun of it. I just said, hi, you know, what you just did is actually called snaking. Um, and and I'd appreciate you not doing it because we're all out here. We're all waiting. We're trying to be, you know, we're following the rules. Again, if you want free for all, that's fine, but you're never, you're not going to catch another wave. It me and the other guys are going to destroy you. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it sounds brutal, right? Yeah. But um, Instead of, for instance, taking that idea on and going, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I need to learn what's going on. That surfer was when went into denial, started getting angry at me, and I just sort of let it go and just patted away and thought, okay, lost cause. Um, but those situations, I think, a lot of a lot of beginner surfers, intermediate surfers, interpret as. Oh, that guy's being a dick. That guy's being an asshole. When in fact they're following the rules more closely than um, than they are. So that's something we need to get comfortable with. You know, it's it's the only outcome from you knowing the rules, the etiquette um, more intimately is that you're going to catch more waves and you're going to annoy less people.
0: I get it. I like it. I like it. I mean, the rules are there for ultimately safety. Um, so, yeah. and, and what people can, you can Google these, you can Google what your surf etiquette is. You know, you I've
1: don't... got a video coming soon.
0: Yeah. And, and again, I'll actually be sharing a lot of your details in the comments below or in the, in the description below. So for people who are interested in any of the stuff that we've been chatting about today, please do check out Cal's stuff. It's, it's not bad. Um <laughs> uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you're answering these questions brilliantly. So I'm just going to keep firing away at you. We we don't have too many left, but um, to go through them, Grom Mum Two on Instagram. She says, "How do I get over steep waves uh, when paddling in? I fear I'll get tossed over. Uh, is there a simple solution?" Yeah, uh, you got to work on your paddling technique
1: um, and also giving yourself a slight angle to paddle in on and making sure, I guess, on state waves, if you if you can be off to the shoulder safely and effectively, productively, um, then that's a good thing too. But that all comes down to paddling and commitment. You're much safer falling off at the bottom of the wave than pulling back and getting sucked over the falls.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. Another question, um, in my head is, uh, as you, as you say that I would imagine it would help that lady, uh, if she was filming herself, is there any advantage to filming yourself whilst you're surfing, having a friend come and film? I know you do video analysis with your sessions. Can people, uh, should people be doing that for themselves whenever they can?
1: Oh, it's such a huge, huge benefit, um, that a lot of people don't get because what feels what you feel like you're doing, you are doing on the wave often looks very different to everybody else and on camera. Um, so having that stuff shown to you and often it's a kick in the guts. The first time it happens, I remember being 13 or 14 and thinking I was killing it. And then looking back at footage going, Oh wow. There's right. So much to work on, you know, and that's the most um, common reaction, I think uh, from that experience, but it is so productive because you work, you find those technique hiccups, those, um, minute biomechanical details for instance that flipping of the palm that we talked about surfing back end um that just makes such a big difference in in your surfing outcomes it's it's very helpful
0: okay cool i like that there's also i i saw there's there is a um a device where it's kind of like an automatic tracker you pick uh-huh. up on the beach and the camera solo shot solo shot yeah does that work
1: I used one for a while when I was younger and it just didn't work. sucked, but maybe they've improved. I don't want to obviously criticize them now because they might have improved the software. (laughs) Sorry, solo shot, (laughs) but, but they may have improved now. I know there are pro surfers who use them in America. Um, and they use the footage. So I guess it must be able to work. Uh, that technology will get better. I, I'm really looking forward to the day when a drone can follow your entire session for an hour. I think that'd be absolutely incredible. Um, or a video camera can accurately follow you for an hour. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's it's right now. That's why the wave pools are so good. Cause you can stand, have someone stand on the side with an iPhone. And I've analyzed a lot of clients who send me that footage and just film the wave, you know, where it's going to be, you know, when it's coming, you know, when your turn is like, it's all just there. So um, I think that's the wave pool benefit.
0: Should people be jumping into wave pools given the opportunity? Um, I mean, we, as we got to surf at the, the urban surf pool in Melbourne. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to surf at uh, the surf ranch. Kelly Slater's here in California. One of the best days of my life. I'm hoping that we get to go soon as well. Of course. Yeah. that'd um, be Nice they're popping up everywhere. Um, you know, whether you're a traditionalist, you know, cause you hear some traditionalists say, well, I don't think that's really surfing just from a practical positioning for anyone wanting to improve their surfing, even just learn like whatever, wherever you are on the scale, it, it's got to be helpful. Right.
1: It's the best thing. The best thing is I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Um, in, in terms of on wave progression, I should say not, it doesn't help you read the ocean or catch waves out in the ocean as much. But on wave progression, it is, I think, hands down the best intervention one could apply. I have no reservations in saying that.
0: Great. Um, It sounds like you were sort of like contractually obliged by a wave pool to say that. I'm not. (laughs) i'm not at all i've been lucky enough to be invited back
1: down to melbourne to to go to the pool um to do another video but other than that i'm not i don't get money i don't get anything i'm I'm just a lonely little youtuber who reckons that wave pools are, are an incredible tool for us to progress there are kids now what living in texas who are better surfers than um You know, me, because they they go and surf in the wave pool every day there, and it's got the most perfect air section. It's got the perfect tube section. Now, they might not be as good out in the ocean now, but, you know, taking that knowledge and applying it into a San Clemente setting for a couple of years, they're going to be the best surfers on the planet. It's bizarre where this is taking us, but it's only taking us in a positive direction.
0: Well, Owl B-wise, uh on Instagram asked, and it's kind of linked into this, if, if Kale could fly anywhere to surf right now, where would he go? And, I mean, I'm interested. Would it be an actual surf destination in the ocean or would it be a wave pool? Um, that's a big question.
1: Uh, wherever there's an empty right-hand point break, around four foot, rippable with some tubes, I'm flying there with a couple of mates.
0: <laughs> what's your favorite, what's your favorite break you've ever out of interest? Where is that there's right few, for you?
1: There's, um, there's definitely a couple when I lived in Byron Bay, there's a few around Byron Bay. Uh, I won't perhaps say their names, <laughs> but um, there's a few point breaks around Byron Bay, which I'm sure most people know that, are, that are, I think some of my favorite ways, because my ideal uh, wave is, you know, a three to four foot point break. Uh, with lots of turn sections, you know, because that's where I feel like my surfing, it really suits my surfing. Um, I've never really excelled in big, big waves, you know. Um, so even though I grew up in South Australia, there's access to some of the biggest, best waves in Australia. Mm. Um, I just didn't never excelled in that sort of lineup. So anything that allows me to sort of rip in the way I want to um, is the best. And obviously with a couple of tubes thrown in, wouldn't, wouldn't go astray. Amazing. I. Uh, what I would you, where would you go? would you just transfer that to a left?
0: Yeah, for sure. Although I do like rights, I just want to get better. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'd love to say I'm advanced. I'm so far from that though. I'm just kind of right in the middle of intermediate, maybe not even. So you're an intermediate. So just somewhere. Yeah. I think somewhere where uh, I could just surf as many waves as I could. I love the idea of a surf trip. You know, I, I, again, um, I I wanted to ask you quickly, just personally, for those uh, who are interested who are watching or listening a surf trip is just one of the ultimate things you can do. Um, yes, going down to the beach every day in your local break is fantastic. But a surf trip, where you get to pack the boards, pack your clothes, go off to a hot tropical destination and live on a boat or on land and just go for it. I mean, that, that's got to be something that every surfer should try and, uh, and get into their, you know, into their schedule at some point, right?
1: It's the best and it's the best,
0: I think, um,
1: in terms of intermediates. There are some spots out there... Uh, in the world, particularly in Southeast Asia, I'll say, where it is incredible, absolutely incredible for a for surf trip for intermediate um, to advanced progression.
0: Um, I've got a couple of questions to round this off, and in no particular order. One's more of a, uh, what would you call it, a technical question, I suppose. Um, this is from <laughs> Honza Szymanski. I think I got that right off Instagram. Um, uh, He or she simply says winter steamer for a Sydney, for Sydney uh, mid range or straight to flash bomb. I'm freezing in a summer wetty. So this is, we're talking about specs of a wetsuit in Sydney. Uh, What's your, I mean, you were talking about getting a hoodie before um, for uh, a surf trip you've got coming up. Any thoughts on that?
1: Uh, Yeah. Just get a three, two in Sydney. You, You don't need anything more in winter. It's so nice here. It's not even a winter. It's ridiculous. It's, it's beautiful. So yeah, three, two mid range, uh, spend 400 bucks. I am currently wearing Adelio wetsuits. They're pretty good. Uh, I quite like them and there are some other good middle of the range,
0: middle of the range brands too. Okay. And when you're getting a $400 wetsuit, which you know, it's, it's quite expensive. What are you, that's going to last a few, a few years, right? You hope
1: so. Depends who makes it. Um, you can spend more than get something like a Patagonia that is uh, a lifetime warranty on it. You know, it, it's a, and and they're a lot more ecologically sound. Mm. Um, unfortunately, that price range, you know, eight hundred dollars or whatever they are, is, is slightly out for a lot of people. And I've heard, I don't like saying this because I love what the brand is doing. Um, I've heard they're not quite as comfortable or flexy as as the average suits because I guess they they refuse to use a lot of those. Ah. flexia, um, (laughs) adaptable chemicals or materials. Uh, but yeah, you could definitely go down that route
0: too. Awesome. And then I I think this might be one of the last questions. Uh, I can't wait for you to answer this. Travis Nelson on Instagram asks, um, (laughs) how do you do an air? to turn that question and it's a great question for someone who is looking to, you know, add the air repertoire uh, or the air skill to their repertoire it, is I have zero idea on this, by the way, is there a first step or a couple of steps that you maybe quickly share?
1: Um, I think skating really helped me and not surf skating for on the, in this instance, surf skating is, is when, when we're talking about surf skating, we're talking about skateboards with rotating front trucks, right? So it simulates surfing now air training is quite different i would actually prefer someone to skate on a regular skateboard um, because that really helped me as a young person practicing airs off the gutter and doing all that sort of stuff repeat 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 as it comes down to speed and projection and the wave so um a lot of the times it comes down to the particular wave Uh, you can't just force an air unless you're